Welcome home radio. The waters in the mortgage industry can be pretty muddy. Whether it's investing, leasing, renting, home insurance, or myths and misconceptions, Welcome Home Radio has the answers for you, the consumer. And now, to help you make the right home buying decision for you and your family, here are your hosts. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio. It is July 13th, and I hope everyone is staying cool outside here in Texas. Redfin made an announcement today that listing prices are dropping nationwide. In fact, selling prices above asking are down from 53% all last year to 52%. Average percentage of price sold above asking has dropped as well. And accepted offers in the first two weeks has dropped 2%. Average list contract time stays about the same 18 days. With last week's GDP report makes it two quarters of negative growth. Q1 was a negative 1.6 and the announcement is negative 2.1. Historically, this means we are in a recession. But this will not be announced until the MBER, National Bureau of Economic Research, reviews the data, and that could take up to September as as late as October. The Fed is fighting inflation with raising Fed rates. Many people think this directly impacts housing rates. We will discuss a little bit today, but the answer is no. It does not directly impact the mortgage-backed security rates in the 15 or 30 year or anywhere. Labor slowdown shows an effect. The total amount of job openings has dropped over 400,000 last week and can be an early sign of economic slowing or just a pause in hiring for the quarter. With all these changes in the market, with all the swings in the mortgage-backed securities so large in the market, we want to have a market status discussion today, give you insights to the market conditions and what we might see in the near future. Joining us today is Greg Potts with Social Realty Group at Compass. Welcome, Greg. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me on, guys. And, of course, Tom, Alan, hey, you staying cool out there, guys? Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm the, I, I'm the I, coolest I, of all of us. Well, because you just you shaved your head again this morning. That's good. <laughs> and I'm sure our head monkey butt will make us all into the four corners of the picture, but Welcome, guys. I, I really am excited about today's show just due to the fact I want to gain some insight 
into what's happening in the market. There's a lot of things pointing to a slowdown, changes. Uh, and Greg, Alan, you can give us insights. Homes are staying on the market a little bit longer. Prices aren't being accepted. Uh, I is it as it slowly or is it quickly changing from a seller's market to a buyer's market? What is your opinion? Greg, go ahead. What I'm seeing right now is the initial shock of the interest rate hikes. Um, I've been in new home sales and uh, resell for over 20 years now. So I've kind of seen the the shock of interest rate heights in 2006 and seven up to the crash in 2008 uh, when I was in new home sales. And it's kind of reminded me of that. Um, ultimately, when the prices went up so high, then the interest rates uh, went up even higher than they were. It just caused a panic in the local market more than anything. So what I'm seeing out there with my listings on the listing side, um, a listing that should be in the hyper sellers market we had over the past year and a half, a listing that should have 20 to 30 showings in a weekend and maybe six to 10 offers is getting maybe five or six showings in a weekend and getting one to two offers. So um, that's happened on a listing I had at 680,000 in Viridian. I had, I mean, there was no other competition on the market too. There wasn't a lot of homes sitting around either. So that was interesting. I thought, I thought I'd definitely get 10 to 15 showings and probably three to five offers, but I got about six showings, one offer, but all we need is one, right? So here's what I'm really seeing is more of a pre COVID sellers market. Um, a little bit more like that to where homes are on the market for what I'm seeing on my listings, but homes are on the market for, I would say seven to 10 days versus three days or one day. Um, and we're getting less traffic, less offers, but we're still having strong out of town buyer offers. So the people moving in town are the ones that are kind of, you know, able to pick from the homes that are available right now. I'm not seeing any local offers on my listings. Uh, we just listed with Ethan Blair, a home this past weekend. Uh, and we, you know, this is a home in Summer Creek Ranch in South Fort Worth, and it was only 350,000 and it was, they completely did everything we asked them to do. We asked them to repaint stage. We told them the market's changing rapidly. There was some competition on the market and that we did need to be the prettiest penny in the bunch if we wanted to win those offers. We got four showings and two offers. So um, in a 350 market, right? And this is a wow. this, and this is Fort Worth. So, you know, we're just really seeing on the showing side, uh, less traffic, less offers. And the offers we are seeing are more from out-of-town buyers. Is, and on the buyers, is, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. I wanted to ask a question. Is this slowdown, it seems like, is it due to just basically summertime and we see vacation family being a priority? Mm -hmm. Because I still see people moving here. I still see things. Why would we have a slowdown if that's the case? I'm trying to balance things out here. Sure. Kind of the perfect combination of, you know, kids getting out of school. As soon as kids get out of school, like you said, everyone goes on vacation. And not only the buyers go on vacation, but the realtors go on vacation. So realtors <laughs> are on vacation and unreachable. No. Trying to clients are trying to see homes. And so yeah, there's definitely going to be a slowdown for that reason. And we should see that change if that is the case. If it is the vacation piece of it, we should see that change next week. It's usually around the 16th of July when that 
um, starts to, the traffic starts to come out of vacation mode and back into focusing on getting back into school mode. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some of that going on, but I mean, it was a pretty drastic change overnight as far as showings on listings. And then on the other side, when, with my buyers, I've helped three buyers get homes in the past month. Um, and every single one of them was in a power position to negotiate. So that was a little bit different than what we're used to. And the buyers on my listings were in a power position to negotiate. So, um, you know, I hear a lot of realtors posting stuff on the market's not changing, nothing's changing, but I'm like, I mean, I'm out there selling homes and power position is definitely changing right now. How long will it last? I don't know, but, uh, I definitely think help, us, help our listeners understand what does it mean a power position? What do you, what do you mean by that? So sellers have been in the ultimate power position for the past year, post COVID, post 2020, um, between the end of 2020 and all of 2021, um, into early 2022, the sellers, uh, hyper sellers market put the sellers in the power position, meaning they didn't have to do anything for anybody. They were getting tons of showings, no matter what their house looked like, no matter how much they priced it at, for the most part, the mar market was saturating those homes, no matter what. So sellers didn't have to do as much to prepare their homes for sale. Uh, they didn't have to stage as much. They didn't have to declutter as much. There was a lot of things they didn't have to do. And then when the offers came in, they had so many, they didn't have to negotiate. In fact, all the offers were coming in way over asking with appraisal waivers, meaning that um, if the home appraised low, that the buyer was going to cover the difference. And then they started going to no inspections just to win offers. There were so many offers that people were foregoing the option period just to win the offer and putting themselves at risk. And it just got a little out of control for a while there. So the power, that's a power position, meaning the sellers are in the ultimate power position where they don't have to give up anything. In fact, they can demand whatever they want. And usually nine times out of 10 get it if they're in a really good area, really good house. So now, like I said, the power position is shifting uh, more even. It's not like all on the buyer side. We're not in a buyer's market. We're more in a pre-COVID uh, seller's market, maybe even a little bit more like 2018, 2019, when things had just started to calm down a little bit and our homes are sitting on the market a little bit longer. But, you know, the months of inventory don't suggest we're definitely going to a buyer's market anytime soon. And, and again, uh, the economic news shows that, that, you know, selling prices haven't dropped like out of the sky, but they are moving downward. Uh, I was shocked to see one of your contracts. Actually, the seller was paying for title. Uh, the seller was paying for a survey if it needed. Uh, there were just indicators that kind of showed what you're expressing here. And I think that's important that our listeners understand. As you said, we're not in a buyer's market totally, but we are headed that way. At least the indicators showing and negotiation can take place. I have another realtor that has a listing and the buyer, because they have to have X dollars out of this to pay for their new construction home, has to leave it at the price they're at. They've, they've cut as much as they can and they're still not, they don't know if they're going to get a buyer. It's been on the market initially. And I think they just caught it at a downturn because it's at $224 a square foot. And they were expecting to hit it at the, you know, the pinnacle as opposed to and I think they waited a little too long to sell. <clears throat> so we're going to find a lot of that happening. Is that right, guys? We're going to find people. Well, another indication, Blair, is, is the builder market. And Greg knows this. They went from you're lucky to get 1% commission if you bring us your client 
to, hey, come on, 3%, 4%, 5%. And we have homes ready to move into. Well, like Greg said a year ago, power position. They didn't like us. They didn't need us. But those that have been in it long enough, like Greg and myself, know it's going to turn and they're going to need us. So how do you not offend us? Well, you go through the tough times with the people that bring clients to you. And we all know who the builders are that took care of us. We all know the ones that kind of threw us away. And your client says, show me some new homes. Well, guess which way we go first. <laughs> so it all it all comes out. And every point Greg made is right on the money, man. I just couldn't agree more. Power position is changing. I, I feel the market's more healthy. I am showing local buyers homes. And um, it is nice to feel you have a chance. Right. Um, the other thing that's changed that it, it's with the prices that have gone up and now interest rates have gone up, payments have gone up. And for those borrowers on the edge, FHA, VA, sometimes not necessarily VA, but FHA, they don't have a lot of cash. They're still in a tough spot. They can come up with down payments, three and a half percent, but their payments have gone up six, $700 a month and their income hasn't. And that goes back to you as a lender, you, you get, you approve them for so much and they can afford it, but because they can afford it doesn't mean they want to spend it. They have kids, inflation's going through the roof. That's a horrible thing. And it's, you know, it's affecting everybody on how much they can spend for a house. Obviously if you're a well-off buyer, you know, like Greg was saying, conventional loan, I'll pay for the survey, I'll pay for this, I'll pay the difference if it doesn't make, you know, appraisal, they're fine. And realtors with upper end clients are going to continue to do fine. But a lot of this market is not upper end. The majority of people don't have $20,000 in savings. So they have good credit, they want to buy a home, but it's tough still on them. So but in general, yeah, amen, Greg, right on the money, man. It's a little more healthy today than it was three, four months ago, and a lot more healthy than it was a year ago. And like you said, FHA and VA buyers right now have an opportunity to pick up some homes with because in the past year, they just didn't. They weren't competing. I had two VA loans on my listings uh, that, that made it through, and they appraised. No problem. You know, it was, uh, it was beautiful to see the veterans being able to buy homes with their VA benefits again. Amen to that. Hey, Tom, you're being awfully quiet, brother. What do you think about this market change? Are we seeing the same thing? Are you seeing something different? What's an indicator that you're, you can hang your hat on? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it, you know, you've pretty much hit upon the points as far as just the touchy feely thing, people going out and having an opportunity. Uh, I think the biggest indicator is the lack of multiple, multiple offers like we were seeing meaning that it's reached its saturation point. You know, consumers are at the point where I'm not going to get into this craziness. I've got to wait and figure this out, even though my rent keeps going up. And they're, they're just feeling that, uh, that, that there's kind of an end of any of these types of situations. And, and it helps that the, the mental part is being approached with, real estate professionals like Greg going to them and saying, look, there, there, you may not be the same crazy thing we saw two years ago and a year and a half ago, 
uh, when he takes a listing. So uh, it, it's it's really just this is the way. And of course, I've only lived through 182 of these different uh, market changes in my lifetime. It's just oh, part. Of, I, I got to ask, how did you sell those cavemen? I mean, uh, well, the what we did was we staged the cave, and then we realized at a certain point we didn't need to stage the cave anymore. We just threw the bones in the corner and they said, wow, they're living high on the hog here with all those bones in the corner and they'd buy it anyway. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's just one of these things that, you know, in real estate, what goes up comes down and then what goes down goes up. And this is, that's the, that's the beauty of living in a capitalistic society. You never have any perfect timing for anything as far as you go. But I well, will say I bought some high treasuries this week, and I thought 9.72%. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to ask our realtors, how do you handle the person that says, okay, it's time to sell. We're ready to sell. <clears throat> but across the street, they sold for you know 55000 over asking. How do you handle that? How do you educate people on, hey, the market has changed. It's not going to... We can't just price it low and expect a lot of competition to raise the price out of the out of the world. It's got to be priced right. How do you help people educate after this last two years of craziness? Outside investors, home flippers to cash buyers. How do you get them educated? What do you do to talk with them now? Um, Go ahead. I'll be our guest. Yeah. Yeah, I'll use um, this last home we we listed in Simmer Creek Ridge as an example. So um, high clutter. This you know, this family is awesome, beautiful family, and they've been living in this house for 20 years now. It was their their first home, and I mean, when I say clutter, it was high clutter, very very uh, unique colors, right? Um, but it was a good, <laughs> it was a good home. I mean, the bones were great, and all it needed was some paint and decluttering. Um, now they didn't really want to do anything. They wanted to just put it on the market um, when we our first initial visit. And basically we had to have that expectation conversation up front. Like regardless of what's happening in the market, we have to, if you want top dollar, they wanted 400,000 for their home. Um, they wanted to list at 400,000 because other homes in the past three months had gotten close to it, 390, 380. And now these homes were a little bit bigger and not really comparables for what they're wanting. But that's just the number they had in their mind that they wanted for their house. So what we did is um, we went in with with not just sold data, but we went in with active data. Uh, there was an active home on the market that was around the size theirs was that had been sitting on the market for 25 days. I was priced at 400000 So we took an active uh, comparable home in the neighborhood that wasn't selling that was really in better condition than their house, better staged. And we let them know, look, the reason this home isn't selling is because between these homes selling and this home being listed on the market, something major changed in the market, and that was interest rates. And we had to educate them on the interest rate tie because they didn't know or understand it. So basically bringing the data and showing the proof as to why we need to list at 350 versus 400, um, luckily they listen. And people aren't going to listen to you unless you can prove it to them usually. Some will. Some will just take your advice for it and say, you're the expert. We trust you. But a lot of people really need to know the facts and the data behind why you're saying, hey, we need to list your house 50000 less. And then ultimately, you know, we communicate to them, look, guys, it's your home. 
we're just here to give you advice and help you. If you want to list at 400,000, that's up to you, but we're probably going to end up in the same boat that this other home that's been active on the market for 25 days and you're not going to get your brand new David Weekly home. So um, they listened to us. We got five showings, two off, one offer, something like two offers, one offer, but one was open door, so it didn't count. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm glad they listened to us. They painted, they did everything right. And that's how you just have to show them what happened before, what happened in between and what's going on now. It's the same thing as when the market's going up. You tell the truth. The numbers right. don't lie. You have the active numbers are real. Sold numbers are real. Dates are real. The media's out there telling everybody, and so they do watch TV or they're whatever, and they're hearing a little bit about it. So um, it just stay with the truth, the facts, the numbers, and it, it works out pretty well generally. My question, real quickly, you said the house needed. Did you have? Did they work with you on staging and cleaning and getting weird yeah. colors changed? Yes, that? we provided a stager, a professional stager. I like to be the good cop and let the stager be the bad cop. And there you uh, go. Allison Parson, she's amazing. Uh, a little plug for her there. But she came out and gave them a to-do list of what needed to be done. And, you know, she's third party unbiased. So she just does her job. And they, right. they, yes, they, I mean, they moved everything out, everything. They're living with family, but they staged it properly. They, oh, wow. I have painter Rogelio to come in there and paint. I mean, they and it looked phenomenal. It was a totally well, different house. I, I think you did. I think you did something right. You gave them the motivation of saying, "Hey, you want your David Weekly home? You want your new home that's being built for you? Here's what you got to do to sell it in this market today." You know, yes. the wants and needs and desires. I, I just, it's just like people that I talk with about interest rates and how much interest rates are changing. I still think it's a great market because I bought my first home at 13%. So, you know, for me, this is still a great market for people that have just started looking inside and we've been at two and a half to three to three and a quarter, three and eight, you know, the changes for them are dramatic and they, and it's going to cost. Yes. It takes down your buying power, but it's still a good purchase, especially it's investment in you as opposed to rent. Uh, if you want to pay rent, that dollars will never come back to you at least an investment in a home, it will come back to you ultimately. And and so, you know, Tom, I really wanted to touch on this. Mortgage-backed securities are bouncing around. People assume the Fed is raising. I mean, and what do we mean by bouncing around? We have literally seen in the last seven days a 207 bips or 207 bips move for rates which and is the most, which have, just so our listeners understand and can put it in perspective, we haven't seen a change like this, this dramatic, this much since 2008 in the recession. And I mean, it's been 13, 14 years uh, to that it's been since we saw that dramatic of a move in a, in a seven day, 10 day period. And so with that knowledge, people assume the Fed rate impacts mortgage-backed securities. Can you help, Tom, help our listeners understand where does the real impact happen on mortgage-backed securities as opposed to fighting inflation, the Fed raising their rate, that sort of thing, please? Well, the irony of, you know, tying things to the Fed rate, the Fed rate is really used for car loans and credit cards and that type of deal. Those folks are sensitive to the Fed rate. Our market for mortgage rates is done on a separate, different platform totally. Uh, and when we get into the 
underlying treasury bills that are uh, kind of tied to how our mortgages are and mortgage money is sold. It's, uh, you know, the only thing the Fed really did back when, when rates were to keep rates pretty much low was to guarantee that they would buy it. And so the government, the sucker taxpayer, ends up with a bunch of low interest rate loans in this big, huge portfolio that, you know, the Fed has stopped doing that. And as a result, what's happened is the general marketplace, the investor with um, MetLife or the investor with a pension fund out of Fort Worth, uh, I say that because my nephew works there and he buys mortgage-backed security. <laughs> when they look at it, they start going, wow, you know, we can get bigger yields. It's it's market competition for it. It's supply and demand. And um, by leaving it to the supply and demand and getting the Fed out of buying mortgage-backed securities, that's opened it up to where we have a kind of a more normal market where we see these wilder swings. I mean, I was raised in a time when I first got in the mortgage business where rates were 14 and a half percent. Well, it was just supply and demand. Hey, you know, I'll pay 15 percent for a mortgage or, I, you know, I want a 15 percent mortgage. This is investors talking. Uh, if I can get that, I'll, I'll go throw that out. And the other investor getting 14 and a half goes, yeah, well, I want 15, too. So it's really a supply and demand driven factor behind it rather than the government having uh, influence. Well, and it's not the government. The Federal Reserve is not a government entity. I remind people about that all the time. Amen. It's, you know, it's owned by the member banks and member banks have been sitting here for really for about a decade going, when are we going to finally get some higher yields? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just a supply and demand thing. And we've come full circle with regards to that. And it's hard to understand because, of course, the media impresses upon us that it affects the mortgage rate and that's misinformed. It's not, it's their credit card, our car borrowing rates. It's the, the rate that is actually exchanged between banks as far as their, you know, them buying securities to keep enough cash on hand and that type of thing. Well, where, where do you see right now I'm seeing rates in, are going to be coming down in Q4 this year. Would you agree with that assumption, that estimate or would you disagree? What are you oh, seeing? You know, I got my crystal ball out yesterday. You're, you're making Greg laugh. <laughs> that was almost bad. Kind of sounds like a stick song to me. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Uh, I got my crystal ball out yesterday and uh, was looking into it. And, you know, there's not really a rhyme or reason. I would say demand will diminish somewhat, which will moderate the loans. You know, the, the interesting thing about this, and this happened way back in uh, 2013, rates jumped for a period of time substantially. And six months later, I was getting calls from people that said, hey, can you refinance my mortgage? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to call back my commissions and yada, yada, yada which they do, investors have a, a written guarantee that with your, um, when you create a loan, that if you refinance it within the first six payments, they can take back the monies that they gave you. So it's kind of interesting to see, will that happen again? Uh, 
I think the market is set to possibly do that because demand may drop off, meaning that we'll see that competition of a lower rate to do that. But I would really like to see it higher for just a little bit longer, to be honest with you. I mean, going through the winter and getting back into next year, a five and five and a half percent rate will have a, a more lasting effect. But people are exposed to so much information. It's just like you going in and talking with people about markets changed. You're going to have to really work to get this house sold. You're not going to have 10 offers. I mean, that comes directly from us because we're front of the line people. And, yeah. you know, uh, again, I'm not trying to hedge on my bets here. I'm just saying uh, it's so hard to be able to tell whether or not the supply and demand will affect us and create a, um, a lower um, interest rate environment. But if it does, all those people that did five and three quarter mortgages, they're going to be all happy. Yeah. And and again, we're the biggest thing that I see is what's going on in the stock market. If we're going into a recession, what happens to stocks? We've already seen a lowering of employment. We've already seen a slowing of pause in hiring. So I see stocks being impacted. Therefore, indirectly, the investors are going to be jumping into MBS. And, well, and, and that's uh, one of the things that have been driving the market at this point. When stocks come down and we've had, you know, we have a bear market officially. We've got a 20% correction in the market at this point, stock market. That money flies to safer investments, which are home mortgage, mortgage-backed securities. And so yeah. that has been, I think, part of the result. That's another driving force in the fall you ask about. Well, the bear market and keep in mind, again, the stock market is all those traders making millions of dollars trading stuff. And they're not really reflective of necessarily an economy. Sometimes they act like it's like a daily basis type thing. Oh, today we saw the number of this blah, blah, blah come out. And then they go. <gasps> and then the next day they go, oh, the number of this came out and they go, yay. So you, you're just always confused yeah. with fact that there it's such an emotional roller coaster you got to kind of take it into long term with the fact that we were already done the 20 percent correction how much more could we correct i would hope not too much more as far as the stock market at least i'm kind of hoping and betting on that well we've also seen the inflation being impacted by the world inflation uh, absolutely America. and we have to realize absolutely. that Fed is trying to fight inflation here, but the world is trying to fight inflation almost everywhere. In fact, just as one indicator that is critical to the U.S. dollar, if you realize the euro dollar, which normally runs around 1.65, all the way up to two, it is now running par or equal to the U.S. dollar. And in fact, is estimated in the next two weeks to go below. So yeah, a great time to travel in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> that euro is on par with the dollar. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. So uh, a lot of things going on in the market and guys. So help those listeners that are understanding or wanting to educate. I'm considering selling. What is what are the key questions? Because you've got to find that driving force like like you did with them buying their home. That was a key indicator for them to be listening to you to be successful have we has most people missed the opportunity to sell high right now are we in that mode of it's on a downturn hey you're not going to be selling high for a while or or are we going to see just a little bump because of the vacation summer and it's going to come back up in the early you know 
later summer, early fall area. Either well, one selling, of you. Yeah, selling high is yeah. kind of you know subjective right now because the the <laughs> equity increased, the equity increase in these homes have gone up so much. You know, even if like the home that I had listed at six seventy five, you know, they ended up selling for six thirty. Like they, and because that was where the offers were coming in at, and um, but they were still super happy. They bought the home at like four hundred thousand. So, you know, you're still you have to look at what you bought it for. And you have to look at how long you've been in it, how much equity you have in it. And if you're still netting way above what you bought it for net profit on your equity returns, then it, like I said, it's subjective. So yes, you're going to miss selling at whatever number you want right now to where it's up to, you know, something that's, that's palatable, but you're probably going to be missing out on maybe 20,000, 30,000 at the most um, in those higher markets and the lower markets, maybe 10,000, 15,000. Now my clients wanted four hundred thousand. We told them three fifty. They got an offer for three eighty, and they're super happy with that, right? So it did come sure. in above and beyond, um, but they didn't get their four hundred. But they're super happy with their return. So it's hard to answer the question. Just depends. Every situation is different. Yeah. Where do you want to live? Where do you want to go? Are, is your job changing? Are you retiring? And and you know people live lives, and they're going to live them whether the market's good or bad. And, you still have to up and go. So if you can't sell your house for the money you could have sold it for in January, then you're certainly going to get a better deal on the house you're going to. And so it all kind of works out. Um, the people that really hit the jackpot were the ones that are just done with houses. You know, the last one I sold in where the market was really nutty nutty was a $580,000 list. And we ended up getting it for six sixty. My buyer was extremely happy. And now, you know, he's like, he doesn't care. They got what they wanted. They paid what they could. So by that, guys, everything is going to be worth what it's, you know, what somebody will pay for it. That'll never change. Houses, even in this market that are extremely perfect, you still get a lot of interest. You still get offers that are, you know, at list. The comps are coming down a little bit, so lists might be a little different, but it can still go over a list if it's the right house in the right area. So, and I think the market is is getting healthier, just personally. I, I love buyers are back in play. I love that all loans are back in play. Um, asset management companies are in play, and that's that's been a big change over the last year and a half, two years. They're buying a lot of percentage of the properties and they're bringing cash and they're bringing a lot of it. And so we've had to deal with that. But in general, I kind of, I'm with Tom. I kind of want the hardcore press to continue just a little bit longer. And um, I think we're going in the right direction. I know buyers are breathing a sigh of relief. You know, Greg will tell you, you know, when you have a listing a year ago, you get 25 offers and 24 really upset people. Oh, yeah. And you can only be upset so many times. <laughs> so those buyers take a break. And as a realtor, it's our job to stay in touch with them, keep them up to date. We're back in power. Come on. And out we go. And we're, we're showing again to those folks that that for a while are like, I'm done. You know, the apartment ain't so bad. Or, you know, the landlord, I actually like the person, you know, whatever. So, you know, they, they justify. But I think it's getting better gradually. And, and, um, and I'm good with it. I think it's funny. That's how great. And I want to remind 
remind our listeners that you can find us on multiple platforms for this uh, blog. Uh, please go there, like us on uh, KVGI Media. In fact, there it is, Apple, Google, Spotify, so forth. WelcomeHomeRadio.net. You can find all of our radio shows there. Like us, ask questions. Uh, what an opportunity in the market today. As we see this transition, talk to our professionals. These realtors know and can answer your questions so you can make the best decision for your family because homes are the investment. Uh, it is not a burden, not a debt in my mind. I try to make mortgages out so that they're understood to be an investment. And I think a lot of people are seeing that as continued prices, values of homes, we will not see because again, supply and demand. As Tom put it, we are capitalist society for the most part. Supply and demand is going to require certain, if supplies are there, price is gonna go up and continue to. So if you were in the market, weren't able to do, come back, at least investigate it, contact Greg, contact Alan, make them aware of your concerns, questions so that they can answer for you. Guys, what can we leave them? What else have we not covered that we want to touch on? I was going to piggyback on what Alan was saying to leave it with. I'm sorry? Can you hear me okay? Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I'm sorry I interrupted you then. No, it's okay. Uh, I was just going to piggyback on what Alan was saying, how the conversation has kind of shifted uh, from going into helping someone list their home and, let, I mean, and telling them, look, you're not going to have any worries. You know, let's just do this and that. And let's price it at what you want. And let's go. Now that conversation has changed, like we've talked about to, okay, we got to look at all this data as to why we can't get the list price you're wanting. But on the flip side with the buyers, it used to be, okay, guys, put on your helmets, put on your war helmets. We're going into war. You have to set their expectations for a battle and for perseverance and rhino skin. And, you know, we're not going to let this market beat us. We're going to beat it and we're going to see it through and we can't give up. You know, it was like this whole pep talk I had to have with them before we went in and started looking at homes. Uh, and now that I don't have to have that conversation anymore. So I'm not really having to have that conversation on the list side either of, hey guys, we got a 50 million homes on the market and we really are going into war here. So it's really healthy because we're having we're having normal conversations with buyers, we're having normal conversations with listings, setting expectations. I mean, with sellers setting expectations are not so crazy. They're just more normal, more healthy expectations to be setting. So. Uh, I agree with, with Alan that we are heading into a healthy market. Well, I think it, it is setting expectations, availability, understanding, asking all the questions. And I'll be honest, uh, if if you're not, if you're watching the news, if you're watching any of the market on the mainstream media, please talk to a professional. They give you a very generic view and they do not know your local area and that will impact you. Uh, be aware of these key questions because so many people, as Tom put out, so many people think the Fed is a governmental entity. Nope. Sorry, they're not there. They are run and owned by the banks and they are managed and a lot of things impact. And again, the hardest thing they've done over the last two years, Tom, is like you said, buying mortgage-backed securities consistently at a billion, two billion a month that has caused where we're at today. That's why the interest rates have jumped up so quickly. Instead of just enjoying a short period of time, we enjoyed a much longer period of two and a half, three percent for a long period. So leave your questions at welcomehomeradio.net. Greg, thank you for joining us today. I am so grateful for your time, brother. 
for having me, and buddy. Let's get out there and go play some golf soon. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and have a blessed rest of your day. I'm Blair Thomas. I'm Tom Holm with Champion School of Real Estate. I'm Alan Pace. God bless. Have a great rest of your day and stay cool.